Good evening. He is definitely worthy, and when we see him as such, it does change us, doesn't it? It changes how we do what we talked about this morning, how we worship, how we serve. Uh, when we see him as all of that, then it changes everything. Open your Bibles to Romans 16. Uh, we're still trying to finish up Romans. Um, last time we did Romans, like back in March, uh, we finished up Genesis, and I'm trying to get done with Romans as I dedicated Sunday nights to try to finish those things up. Um, Romans 16, I want to cover verses 1 through 18, but we're only going to start with a reading here of verse 1 through 7. Um, just a quick read of the whole chapter. Uh, honestly, you know, as you read your Bible year to year or whatever, and you get to Romans 16, you might quickly just brush over it and think it's just, you know, a bunch of, hey, tell everybody I said hi. You know, tell this person I said hi, tell this person I said hi. Uh, but when you really dive into it and, and look at it more from a perspective of, of Paul as a spiritual leader and how he's greeting the people, what he's saying to them, as he's saying bye and hi and all that, it really changes your perspective on some things and you understand that uh, Paul, I really believe, had uh, more going on here than just tell everybody I said hi. And I think you'll see that tonight. But let's start with reading verse 1 through 7. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epaphanus, I did not look it up how to pronounce it, and I knew I'd forget it anyway, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for, for us. Uh, greet Andraconicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my, brother, my beloved in the Lord. Uh, greet Urbanus, we'll stop there actually, our fellow worker in Christ. Let's pray. Father, help us, I pray. As we come to this portion of your word, and I pray that uh, you would help us, Lord, to see, uh, Lord, what Paul has to teach us here in these simple greetings. In Jesus' name, and amen. Like I said, if you just do a quick read, you might think as you come to this, these verses in this chapter um, that Paul is just saying, hey, tell everybody we said hi. There's not much there spiritually uh, for us, but I think that you're going to see very quickly that there's a lot in this uh, that can encourage us here tonight. And so the title of, of this lesson or message tonight is Workers Together in Christ. Workers Together in Christ. You know, as a pastor, I see much in, in regard to this when you look at how uh, that Paul is talking to the people specifically and individually. Um, we see some things about Paul and his relationship with them and the relationship he wanted them to have uh, with one another. And we'll see this emphasized as we, as we highlight some of these things. He wanted them to have a strong relationship together. 
Now, in these words we've just read, we see Paul mentioning these things. He mentions his love for them. He speaks about their service to the Lord. He was not ashamed to identify with them. He speaks in a way that unites himself to them and in a way that will unite them to one another. That's kind of the main themes that we'll see throughout this. But let's, look at, look, let's look at this in, in these verses. First of all, notice how that Paul acknowledged the people's service. Notice how Paul acknowledged the people's service. In verse 1, we read there of Phoebe. He, he states that she was a servant of the church in Centria. Now, Centria was the seaport of Corinth. Um, this was about eight miles from the heart of Corinth. It was over on the coast. Now, this business that she was involved in that he mentions was likely the business of the church uh, in Centria. And she had maybe come there for something in relationship to the churches at Rome. She likely may have done errands for the church and served the church in various capacities and was a great benefit to the church in Centria. Now, Paul wanted them to know that she was a good saint and the church needed to accept her and help her in whatever it was uh, that she was there for, whatever it was that she needed. Maybe it was that she had moved from that church in Corinth to that church and he just wanted them to accept her with, with, with open arms from, from the start. And whatever kind of work she wanted to get involved in, hey church, she's the type of woman you want to get behind and support and encourage. Now, it's interesting to note, I mean, may not be as big a deal to us sometimes, but Corinth, where she was from, is about 600 miles from Rome. So this woman has come a great way on this possibly business trip for the church in Corinth. Um, so that's just something to take note of. This woman had come a long way to possibly just to do the work of the Lord. And I thought about this. Uh, it can take a church a while sometimes to recognize how valuable new members can be when they've come from other places. And Paul unashamedly vouches for her. He unashamedly vouches for her. Now in verse 3, we see mentioned here the, 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 the faithful Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Paul mentions them, and, and notice that he calls them, he says, his fellow workers. I mean, so these were workers of the Lord. He wants the church to know there how much they meant to him. Now, you can read this and get all this, but I want to just highlight this because I think it's important for what Paul is doing here. Um, he says, they were uh, valuable to me. They risked their own necks for me, and I'm thankful for them. And not me only, but all the churches and of the Gentiles. He said, they have been of great service. Um, and, so, and so they are definitely great servants of the Lord, and Paul is extremely thankful. Um, and he also mentions that there is a church meeting in their house. He says, likewise, greet the churches in their house. You know, they didn't have church houses, you know, back then. They didn't have buildings that they met in just to have worship services. They met in people's homes. And um, that, that's what they did. Uh, churches here, he mentions here, uh, the churches of, of Galatia. It's using the plural. Uh, speaking of many individual, local, visible churches all over the place. Uh, not a universal, invisible one. Um, also, this is a good reminder here that the church here is not the building. It's not the building, is it? It is the people uh, that are coming together, meeting together uh, as believers to serve the Lord and to carry out the Great Commission. But, but what a commitment on Priscilla and Aquila's part, you know, to allow the church to meet in their home. If they're meeting once a week, twice a week, three times a week, who knows? I mean, that's a pretty big commitment, isn't it? 
Uh, you, you know, the Amish, though I don't agree with how they do things, you know, that their doctrine, it's, it's hard work whenever they have church services at, at somebody's house, and I think it's required of them to do it once a year maybe, um, or something like that. And, uh, and it's huge. I mean, everybody shows up at their house, the work that's involved in that. And, uh, and so you, you can imagine if you have the whole church over for one evening on a Sunday evening service, when there's many people then, but it, it's, it's a little bit of work, isn't it? Well, I think these people were having the church in their house all the time. And so it just tells you what kind of workers they are um, in the Lord. Um, so what a commitment. So we're focusing on Paul acknowledging people's service. So acknowledge Phoebe there. He acknowledged, he acknowledged Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 6 and in verse 12, Paul mentions others who were known workers uh, for the Lord. Uh, he recognizes these workers and servants. And, and no doubt, uh, by mentioning them specifically by name, he's causing the churches in Rome to look up to these people as well. Because, I mean, Paul mentioned it. Paul talked about this person. When they would meet this person, and, and they've read this letter that Paul wrote to Rome, they would meet this person. Oh, yeah, Paul said something about you, you know? I mean, so he is uh, he's speaking for them. He's identifying with them. He, he, he's acknowledging their work and their service. And so that would definitely uh, help when they would meet people. And it's showing that Paul has not forgotten their service. He's appreciative for their work. As spiritual leaders need to do, uh, they need to acknowledge those who serve the Lord. You know, everyone needs to know uh, that they are appreciated, their service is valuable, they are valuable. Uh, you know, he told them to receive Phoebe in, in a manner worthy of the saints. You know, I, I'm thankful for the servants here at New Testament Baptist. You know, I try to acknowledge that during the time, of, uh, at the end of the year and such, but I, I could never do that enough. And I realize I don't know everything that goes on. I know I can leave people out sometimes. Uh, there's a lot that takes place we don't know about. A lot, a lot that takes place you don't know about. Uh, but I'm thankful for everything that gets done and, and what, I, what I even don't know that gets done. I'm very thankful for that. We have fellow workers and laborers who serve our Lord here. And so Paul's acknowledging that, okay? You see that. The second main thought, Paul identified with God's people. So he acknowledged people's service to the Lord, and then secondly, he identified with them. Paul did not seek to speak of himself in a way that would separate himself from the people of God. He, he, he didn't look down on them. And you see that all through his language here. He's very thankful for them, and he identified. Connect, he's connecting with them. Um, Paul did not speak of himself as above the people, but rather as one joined to the people. Side by side. Uh, in verse 3, he, he calls Priscilla and Aquila what? My fellow workers. And he uses that word my to talk about several people many times. Not to denote ownership, okay? But to, but to talk about the connection he had with them. To express how close they were to him personally. As an expression of, of closeness in their relationship. And we see that Paul did this often down through those verses. We haven't even read all the verses, but if you read on down through the chapter, he says uh, of some, my beloved, my fellow prisoners. Um, the King James Version in verse 3 calls Priscilla and Aquila Paul's helpers. Uh, but that word doesn't really convey the side-by-sideness that that word uh, conveys. It, it conveys more of a word of a, compa- of a companion fellow workers, workers together on the same level. In other words, not just a helper, not just 
a guy who's up here and who has a helper, you know, an apprentice with him. It's a side-by-side idea of the Word. So Paul did not just think of them as just helping him do ministry, helping him do his work. They had ministry as well. They were fellow workers. They didn't do the same things, but they did different things, but working for the same Jesus, working in the same gospel. Paul also connected himself and identified with those in verse 7 when he calls them his countrymen and fellow prisoners. And so these may have possibly been from the same place he was and maybe he was in the same jail he was. And so that kind of connected them, fellow sufferers. But you can see how well Paul is connecting himself with the people. He is identifying with them. They are his fellow workers, his fellow prisoners. They are his beloved. So you see that, right? So you see two things, right? He's acknowledging people's service, and he is acknowledging and, and, and identifying with them as God's people. He, 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 he's identifying with them. That's very important. It's important for leadership, too, uh, to identify with the people you lead. Now, here's the third thing I want you to notice. Paul knew what, or rather who, we should say, it was that united them all together. And so there's another thing we see throughout the this, end of this uh, greeting uh, that we want to highlight. Paul knew why, that he, why he had all of these great relationships with all of these people. And it seems he's wanting to remind them uh, of, of what it was they had in common that made all of this work possible. Why were they servants together? Why were they fellow workers? Why were they fellow prisoners? Why did they love each other and call one another beloved? They were close and had all of this community. They had all this unity because of Jesus Christ. Christ had saved them. Christ had united them together to serve Him. And Paul, in his language, and just how he's speaking, you know, saying greetings, he is uniting them. And I like that because maybe there's not an ulterior motive in Paul's mind. I want to speak in such a way so as to unite them. He just naturally spoke in such a way through the Holy Spirit that he united the people of God. I like that. I want to speak naturally through the Spirit of God working through me where my language, just my common vernacular, unites the people of God. So Paul is helping them to focus on what they were doing as, as he's just giving this general greeting. But look at how many times though in his, in his greeting in his, here that he reminds them of, of, that their service is in the Lord. He's wanting to remind them that that's who has united them. In verse 1 he says, Receive Phoebe, what? In the Lord. Priscilla and Aquila, fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, he mentions those who were in Christ. Verse 8, he mentions uh, him, his beloved, in the Lord. Verse 11, he mentions those who are in the Lord. Verse 12, he mentions how those who labored in the Lord. And those who labored much, in, and one who labored much in the Lord. He mentions Rufus, who was chosen in the Lord. That's why they were able to do what they did. That's why they did what they did. And so we as a church, we need, we need to look around and, and we have all that we have because of Christ. We have people to serve the Lord here with us together in His place. We have people we connect with in Christ. Not all of us are the same. We serve in different capacity, but we're still servants of Christ. He has united us in this place. And we should, all of us should unashamedly identify uh, with one another in Christ. We have people to love in Christ. We have people that love us in Christ. 
We are workers together in the Lord. And we have to keep that central in focus. Jesus is the one that brings us together to worship Him, to serve Him, and to do it as a church, as a community of believers. And what a blessing it is to be a believer and to be a part of His church here at New Testament. We have all these wonderful lives, all these wonderful families because of the common ground of Christ Jesus our Lord. We do it all in the Lord, in Christ. So you can see how that that Paul's way of speaking here and just giving greetings that he unites himself to the people. But it would also unite the people to one another. I mean, if Paul the Apostle is writing in such a way to where I'm connecting with him, he's my fellow worker, he's my fellow laborer, he's my fellow prisoner, they're going to look at the person next to him and say, oh, we are too. We're fellow workers. We're fellow laborers. So his, his, his vernacular, just the way he's speaking, is going to not only connect himself to them, but it's going to make them see they're connected to one another with all this, just the, his, the way he talks. He has definitely united them under the banner of Jesus and just saying hello. <laughs> I love that. Now, all, he talks all like this, okay, all the way down, uh, pretty much all the way down to verse 16. Uh, he says, then he says, greet one of the holy kiss. We won't talk about that. Um, but the churches of Christ greet you. I mean, all the way down to verse 12, you see that. He talks about all those different people to greet, chosen in the Lord, etc., etc. So, so you see that greeting, that long greeting there, all the way down to verse 16. And then out of nowhere, then out of nowhere, after all of that unity, after all that together in Christ, in the Lord, fellow workers, fellow laborers, verse 17. Now I urge you, Brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. And so it's like he's overcome with how he's greeting them and what he's saying to them. And and I think he knows that, that what he's saying should unite them and he's saying, you've got a good thing going here. You've got a good thing going here. Be careful of those who cause divisions. The New King James Version says to note them um, who cause divisions and offenses. Uh, but the King James Version is a little bit stronger when it says mark them which cause divisions and offenses. The word translated note or, or mark speaks of taking aim. <laughs> you keep an eye on them. I mean, that's exactly what it means when you look up. Keep, keep your eye on these. But Paul doesn't just say, hey, keep an eye on them that bring division and offenses. He uses another word to teach us how uh, to relate to them. He says simply to avoid them. Avoid them. Uh, Albert Barnes stated this. He said, that is, avoid them as teachers. I don't think he's saying, you know, if there's any kind of dissension at all, you know, just kick them out. That's not what he's saying. But there needs to be an avoidance of the things that they are saying. Do not follow them. It does not mean they were to be treated harshly, but that they were to be avoided in their instructions. They were to disregard all that they could say, tending to produce alienation and strife, and resolve to cultivate the spirit of peace and union. 
You know, Satan loves to cause division in the church. He loves to come up with offenses, things that are contrary to the teachings and principles of the gospel. But why? Why? To hinder all of that work of Christ in the Lord. You see that? You see, when you step back and see all that, can you see that? To cause us to not serve the Lord together. Because when we're together, for the Lord, we serve the Lord. To cause us to divide over any issue that He possibly can so that the unity of the body of Christ is hurt because then the work of Christ suffers. D.L. Moody stated, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Spirit, where the Lord's people were divided. And that is true. So that's why he likes to divide, because the Lord's work isn't going to get done. And I believe I could say that I have never seen a church united in serving Jesus where the devil did not want to try and to divide. Divide and conquer is an old military strategy. Divide and conquer. Now, Satan may use bad teachings or doctrine, as seen here. He says, mark those, and let's be specific, who cause division and offenses. This is contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. So, I think specifically, he's talking about those who would come in with, with bad doctrine. Uh, but we definitely need to be careful about anything uh, that would uh, divide us. Satan may use bad teachings, or he may use anything else. He may use a lack of forgiveness uh, between two people, and then they talk about it with this one, they talk about it with this one, and it just causes the church to be split, taking sides. Um, and any who would seek to do this, to divide, to stir up one another, as Paul says in, in verse 18, he says, they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly uh, or their own desires. Listen church. The Lord has blessed us. He's given us great things at New Testament Baptist Church. He's given us great people. We have wonderful servants in Christ. I believe that with all of my heart. We're all here because of Jesus. And we need to remember that whenever maybe we get on each other's skin, right? <laughs> We're all here for Jesus. The Lord has blessed us with, with great unity because we are in the Lord. And so long as Christ is loved, so long as Christ's word is preached, Christ is served, Christ is honored, and Christ is the reason we are coming together, we can stand together against all the devices of Satan and his desires will be truly uh, crushed under our feet. And that's what he says in verse 20 later on. And he says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. I, I think he's given them really a remedy to overcome some of the obstacles that they faced that he felt like was, come, was part of Satan's work for them. And man, you need to serve the Lord together, keep that up, serve the Lord in unity, and you can overcome the wicked one. When Christ remains central to all of this, then the things or people uh, that would come along and try to purposely and spitefully try to divide us, it will be to no avail, but will be a reminder to us once again, of what Jesus has done for us, that He has joined us together, and what Jesus has joined together, no, no man can divide. I'm thankful to serve Jesus uh, here uh, with you at New Testament Baptist Church. And 
I pray that I would speak in a common vernacular that would unite us as the people of God. We are here for Jesus' sake. We are servants together in Christ. And there's going to be times that we need forbearance. We must forbear one another in love. Which means that we're always, not always going to agree. Which means we're going to sometimes get underneath each other's skin at times. Why? Because we're not perfect. But we have to be patient and loving and kind. Why? Because Satan would love to divide us. Because when we're divided, the work of Christ suffers. And that's what Satan wants to attack. Wants to divide us to keep us from serving the Lord. All right, that's all I have tonight. You've got a short one tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask that you would use this uh, lesson tonight uh, for your honor and for your glory. And uh, help us, Lord, here at New Testament to realize how much we have in Christ. And uh, help us to serve together. Lord, help us to understand that Christ's blood, His Spirit, His Word is what unites us here at New Testament Baptist Church. Help us to labor and to battle underneath the banner of Jesus and to and to bask at the foot of the cross in the glory of the gospel. And help us, Lord, to fight Satan. Help us to fight against the wickedness of the world and, and to fight against sin and to fight against the evil lest we find ourselves fighting against one another. Like the churches of Galatia and how they did bite and devour one another. Father, help us to not lose focus. The enemy would love to have us return friendly fire and to destroy our own. But Lord, help us not to do that. Father, we love you. We thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the blessings of the gospel and all that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, and amen.